right. Praise God. I think I'm going to start off tonight here with a passage that I meditate in often. It's one of my one of my go-to scriptures. I, I don't preach from it ever, but I, or very often, but I really like it. It's in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 28. I'm sure you know what it says. No, you probably don't. I love it when people come to me and they say, you know, my favorite verse is, is Psalm 63, 7. And then they look at me like, you know, and I'm like, no, just tell me what it says. <laughs> now, if you tell me what it says, sometimes I can tell you about where it is. But I, some, it's hard for me to go the opposite way. Jeremiah 23, verse 28 and 29. This is from the Amplified Bible. The scripture says this, the prophet who has a dream... Let him tell his dream. But he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. That's powerful right there. That's not even the whole verse. But what has straw in common with wheat for nourishment, says the Lord. Now, this is pretty powerful. I can get off subject here. I'm going to try to stay where I need to go here. I've heard people prophesy before. And I'm thinking, in your dreams. Because it doesn't go with God's Word. It's got all the emotion. It's got all the feeling. It's got everything. But I'm going to tell you something. A prophecy that doesn't agree with the Word didn't come by the Spirit. It came by the soul. And so we've got to be aware of things. You know, Tammy and I were in a meeting one time, and I'm not going to who this famous person was, but this famous person was prophesying. And I mean, everybody was moved by it. I wasn't very moved because it violated the Scripture. Now, you know me. I, I, I like the Word a lot, and I know a lot about it most of the time. And so that night, we came back to an evening meeting, and someone looked at me and said, that Word that he gave, wasn't, didn't that, wasn't that just so moving? And I'm like, yeah, it moves something. <laughs> but it didn't move me. The Word of God is the answer. And let me just finish reading it. He says, What has straw in common with wheat for nourishment? Now, now, the stalk is important, isn't it? But it's not as important as the grain. In fact, we need to learn how to separate the wheat from the grain. The scripture says it's the word of God that is quick and powerful, and it does the separating. Okay, if we want to know if a prophecy is from the Spirit, we need to find out if it's in the word. You know, I probably told you this before. One night we were at church. We, we were very young. I don't know if Tammy and I were married yet. But we were in church, and this lady stands up to prophesy, and she says, and this is word for word what she said, My little children, why are you so stupid? <laughs> All right, can I just tell you, that was not from God. All right, I mean, I, 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 might, I might have been 20 years old when she prophesied that. And then she, she talked about how stupid we were. And then the end, it says, and if you don't straighten out, I'm going to rain down hellfire and damnation on your head. Now, can I just tell you something? If you read the New Testament, you're going to find that doesn't happen to us. Okay, we don't, we're not objects of his wrath, not now, not ever. He will never rain down hellfire and damnation on us. Anyway, I didn't know a whole lot about the scripture, but I knew that wasn't in the Bible. All right, so we can feel lots of things. You can feel things, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a word from God. 
The Spirit of God will never speak contradictorily to the Word of God. Ever. Amen. That's really good. That's worth coming for right there. The, the stalk and the wheat have nothing in common for nourishment. Only one will serve to nourish you. And we never want to get them confused. You ever gotten a generic can of green beans and gotten the stalk in one of them? Not very good. It's not the same. Then I love the next verse. Is not my word like a fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance? I'm telling you, it's the word that's going to that's going to stand that's going to provide the test. It's the word that's going to destroy that thing that's standing against you. You got to make sure you know that the word is a part of it. We can either believe what the word says or we can believe what the world says. We can believe the report that comes from God's word or we can believe the report from the media. <laughs> or we can believe the report from the guy we work with. Or we can believe the report from from cousin so-and-so or aunt so-and-so. If they don't agree, we need to make a choice to agree with the Word. All right, The Word is like a fire. It will consume anything that can't withstand its test. You just want to make sure you're on the Word's side. It's like a hammer. Man, every time I go see one of those, those uh, Marvel movies and Thor has the hammer, you know? Mm-hmm. I know y'all are more spiritual than me, but I, I like them. And I always just thought, it enters my mind every time I see it. That hammer is nothing like the Word. I mean, Thor has a powerful hammer, but it's not like the Word of God because it's going to break in pieces anything that, that is in its way. The Word is powerful. So often, Christians are controlled by the reports of all these things out there rather than the, the Word of God. Then we believe the Word. Now, the, when I say the Word, I'm talking about the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. When we believe the Bible, we believe God. We're believing Him. The Bible is His Word. I mean, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Word of God, the Bible, is the final authority in all matters. I've heard it said, well, Pastor, I believe the Word, but... You need to get off that butt right now because you need to believe the Bible and do what it says and stand on that. Believe what God has said. If we really believe the Word, if we really believe God, we will not fear. Uh, Don't you just love it when I say stuff like that? Don't you just love that? Because it's true. How do I know if I'm in faith or not if I'm not afraid? Uh, Some people think, well, you're just too dumb to be afraid. No, no, let me tell you something. The Word is true. It is true. And I have to make a decision in my life. Is it the final authority or are my feelings the final authority? Nothing can resist the Word. Nothing can withstand its test. You know what Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? God's arm is revealed to those who believe His report, which is His Word. I mean, I love that. That passage has to do with God rolling up His sleeve. I mean, He's and getting ready to go to work. 
when we believe his word. When we believe his word, all of a sudden he starts showing you his muscles. You can see that he is truly, he is truly El Shaddai. Remember when God appeared to Abraham? He said, he said in the, in the King James, he says, I am the Lord God Almighty. In the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai. That has to do with, with being the most powerful. Not a powerful, the most powerful. El Shaddai. He will ravage the enemy. That's who he is. He reveals his arm of, of strength and power to those who believe his report. Sometimes he doesn't do it as fast as I want him to. I mean, sometimes I've wanted him when I say, I believe, I believe your report, and I just smack him down now. <laughs> he doesn't work on my timetable, but his word is true every single time. We've got to believe the word. So we've been talking about for the last two or three times, I can't remember how many, I think this is the third time. We've been talking about that Jesus told us to take no thought regarding some things. In fact, we've read in Matthew 6 and Luke chapter 12 and those two passages multiple times, Jesus said, take no thought. And we found out that that literally means take no anxious thought. And he's talking about different things. Luke 12, 26 says, if you then not be able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? If you can't fix how tall you are, if you can't fix how long you're going to live, if you can't fix all of those things, why, if you, why worry about it if it's, there's nothing you can do about it? Most people worry about things they cannot control. Right? I know this is, this is a good subject, really, but it's hard to understand that. We, why would we worry about a thing that we cannot control? I cannot control what Congress is going to do tomorrow. Have no control over it. Our congressman, he pretty much votes the way I like him to vote. It's not him, it's the other knuckleheads, and I can't worry about them. <laughs> I'm not in charge of them. If I'm worried, then my trust is in them. And if your trust is in the Congress, you're in a lot of trouble. If I'm worried, if I take anxious thought, doesn't mean I can't think about things. It doesn't mean I'm mindless. It means I can't take anxious thought. I can't be worried about it. Jesus in those passages told us instead of taking anxious thoughts, thoughts we need to learn how to look at something different. So he said, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look at the hillsides. He's saying if he'll take care of those things, he will take care of us. And so we don't need to take no anxious, don't need to take any anxious thoughts. What he's saying is don't worry. Don't worry. Well, I just can't help it. And I've said this every time. Well, I just can't help it. And Jesus is like, oh, okay, you can't help it. Okay, everybody else, don't worry. You, you're okay. It's really okay for you to worry. No, that's not what he said. He, he was talking to all of us. And he said, don't worry. Now, let me just say, don't worry if you worry, because you need to not worry so you can get out of the worry altogether. 
All right, we bind the condemnation. There are, people have we we have, we live a life, and sometimes we need to know that God will help us through it. We just can't get down on ourselves. We need to start working our way out of it with His help, and 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 meditating, and let the Word of God be the fire. Let the Word of God be the hammer that destroys it. Amen. That's pretty good right there. That was worth coming for. All right. We need to know that. All right. He said, do not worry. We've seen that worry over the weeks. We've seen that worry is actually fear. And that worry is a self-induced taste of hell. When we worry, we choose the torment. We choose it. No one, no one is helped when I worry. It doesn't help anybody. They, it, what helps them is when I believe God, when I'm in faith for them. You know, not when I worry for them, because worry doesn't help them. All right, we've seen that, that, that worry doesn't make the situation better, especially if you're worried about your health. Worry makes the situation worse, because worry provides stress and all kinds of things that, that are not good for you. We've got to know that. Worry makes it worse. Faith is what makes it better. The way to fight it is the Word of God because that's what's going to destroy it. We've looked at lots of scriptures. So I'm just going to give you a few. These are just, this is all review here. Amplified version of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Now, how much can we worry about? Well, I'm just worried about my grandson. No, no, anything or anyone. It says, don't worry about anything. Wow, I just. I mean, that's just the responsible thing to do. No, it's irresponsible. Irresponsible to worry. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, which is definite request, and with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God, and God's peace shall be yours. So, so the answer is not worry, but the answer is to voice it to God, not worrying about it, and giving God thanks. Thanking Him for His answer. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 8. The last part of verse 5 says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. And here's it tells you how to humble yourself. Casting all of your care or all of your worry upon him because he is concerned for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When you're holding on to the care, when you're holding on to the worry, you're behaving erratically and not soberly. We've got to be sober about it. We've got to take control of that thought and cast it over on Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I used to really hate that verse because I thought, how can you bring every thought into obedience. How can you do that? Well, I realize the scripture would not tell us to do that if we couldn't. Do you realize that in the word itself is the empowerment to do it? 
When the Lord tells you, take no thought, in those words from him, there's an empowerment to be able not to take the thought. I can't control what thoughts come, but I can control what thoughts I take. All right? We don't have to take every thought that comes our way. Just because you have the thoughts you want to wring somebody's neck doesn't mean you get to meditate on that one. All right? Doesn't mean you get to take it. Jesus said, take no thoughts saying for sure, for sure, for sure. Don't say it. Too many people say everything they think. They need to learn how to only say what God agrees with. Take no thought. Take no thought. We don't have to take them all. We have the choice to choose what thoughts we take. This is good news. I don't have to take every thought that comes my way. I don't have to take them. I I I can't stop them, but I can choose the ones that I want to take. The thought may cross my mind that I'd like to wring their neck. I don't have to choose that. I can begin to think a different thought. I, and I do that with the words I say, and we've talked about that already. All right? I've said this every time. My mind is my mind. It's not the devil's mind. It's my mind. The scripture says I have the mind of Christ, but I have to choose that. And the only way I can think his thoughts is to think his word. And, you know, have you ever tried to learn another language? If you try to learn another language, the only way to be proficient in another language is you have to learn how to think in that language. If you go, I don't know, if you're in Latin America long enough, you'll begin to think thoughts in Spanish because you hear it all the time, especially if you're trying to speak it. When you can begin to think in Spanish, you will speak in Spanish and you'll become proficient at speaking Spanish. You have to think like that. To have God's thoughts, you've got to begin to be involved in His kingdom. You've got to begin to hear His words, hear His words, hear His words, speak His words, be immersed in what He says. And as you do that, you'll begin to think His thought and speak His words. Just like you do when you walk up to the clerk at the convenience store in Saltillo, Mexico, and you say, ¿Dónde está el baño? Because you've got to go to the bathroom. And so you know how to say that. But you'll learn how to do what needs to be done. All right, so we have to, we have to do that. We've seen that if the Bible tells us not to worry, we can stop worrying. Amen. You need to be saying that to yourself. You need to be saying, "I can stop worrying." If you if you're a worrier, or if you've been a worrier, if you've become a worrier, that's what the truth statement is. If worry is something you face often, you need to learn how to confess what God said. If you think thoughts that contradict the word, not even worry, thoughts of fear perhaps, thoughts of lust, thoughts of of anger, thoughts of whatever they may be, if those thoughts are there, the way to combat that is first of all, admit to God you have this thing, but then begin to admit to God that he's the answer to your problem and begin to say what he says about your problem. All right, well, you know, I I just can't believe that, that it's that easy. I just can't believe it. I'm just a worrier. Number one, that's not a true statement. Not any part of that is true. To say I can't believe that is not true. The true statement is I choose not to believe that. Because I can believe whatever I want to believe. Isn't it amazing some of the stuff people believe? And if you tell people there are a billion stars in the sky, they'll believe it. If you tell people uh, how hot it is on the sun, they'll believe it. If you tell them that the bench has wet paint on it, they've got to touch it to see. I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) 
Because they choose what to believe. We choose what to believe. You weren't created a worrier, but people have trained themselves to become worriers. It's self-training. All right? Worry is a form of fear. I mean, the devil, the devil uses it. And can I tell you why he uses it? He uses it to keep you from obtaining what God has promised you. That's why he wants you to worry. All right? He wants you to think that, you know, it's only sensible and responsible to worry. That's absolutely a lie. We've read this passage every single week so far out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We've talked about how that God didn't give us the worry. He didn't give us the fear. Anytime that is present, it's not from God. It's not from God. But the, what he's given us is power, love, and a saved mind. Our mind can think the right things. So in tough times, we have to resist worry and get in the gift and learn to think right. So let's talk a little bit more about thinking right. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30. This is a great verse. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. Now that's an interesting statement. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart. Let me read from the Amplified. The light of the eyes of him whose heart is joyful rejoices the hearts of others, and good news nourishes the bones. The complete Jewish translation says, A cheerful glance brings joy to the heart, and good news invigorates the bones. Now this passage has to do with bone density. And healthy bones is what it's talking about here. If you got a problem with bone density, you need these, this verse right here. Okay? It says, when somebody looks at you and smiles, what that does is it makes your heart rejoice. Just, I mean, have you ever just smiled at people? They just, I mean, they just, they just look back and smile. I mean, you get a big, you get a big quick return on that investment when you smile at somebody. They just smile back at you. When my oldest daughter was little, she, she was like, I think, three or four. One day I took her to work with me. I, was, I had to do some business in downtown Dallas, so I took her to work with me. She had blonde, curly hair, and she, you know, she was the happiest little kid. And we would walk down, and, and in downtown Dallas, people are not always that happy. But everyone, as we walk past people, she's just a little kid, and she's got this, this big old head of curly hair, and people can't help but look at her, and, the, and she smiled at every person she saw. You know what every person did? They smile back because that, that right there, that, the light of her eyes made their heart rejoice. Well, that's pretty good. And so then it says, the last part is what I want to do. A good report makes the bones fat. Or these other passages call it, or the other translations call it, good news makes the bones healthy or invigorates the bones. When we look at things that are unseen, we have to use our heart to look at them. And when we look at the right things, it makes our heart happy. All right. When we hear a good report, it makes the body healthy, according to Scripture. Proverbs 4.22 says, For they, the words of God, are life to those that find them, and health 
to all their flesh. The word of God is health to our flesh, according to the word of God. All right, the Amplified says it's the good news. The good news nourishes the bones. The good news invigorates the bones. What is good news? Well, if we go to the New Testament, the word gospel means good news. The gospel is good news. The best way that what we need to do is hear good news. What's the best way you think to hear good news? Turn on CNN? Well, we don't agree with CNN. Let's turn on Fox News. Is that good news? No, no, none of that's good news. None of, let me tell you, that's not good news. Here's the best way to hear good news. Speak it out of your mouth. Speak good news. When you hear the bad news, speak good news. The scripture says, this is a great passage of scripture. This is out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let me just tell you something. The good news... This is talking about taking the Word of God and speaking it to yourself. It says, you want to know what the will of the Lord is? The will of the Lord is for you to hear good news. Don't get drunk with wine. Some people are trying to get happy by drinking wine or drinking alcohol or smoking some substance. The key to happiness is not the drinking. The key to happiness is taking God's Word and speaking to yourself over and over again so that what happens is, is that you begin to, 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 to sing songs, make melody in your heart. And all of a sudden your bones start getting healthy. Your body starts getting healthy. Everything follows that. Listen, we need to speak to ourselves. Man, we need to make sure that when we're saying what he said, we understand the enablement is there. The power is there. There's power in a good report to change the bones. And if it can change the bones, it can change the soft tissue as well. There's power in the Word of God. But a bad report has an effect also. If I am speaking the bad report, I'm going to get the opposite things. Listen to these verses. What time is it? Oh, man. Okay. Numbers 13, 32, and 33. Here's the story. The Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, I want you to choose 12 leaders, one from every tribe, and I want you to send them into the land that I am giving to you. Now, what, what, what's God's word? I am giving it to you. I've already called you to leave Egypt. I've called you to this land. I am giving it to you. These 12 guys go into the land. They get there. They find the biggest grapes they have ever seen in their lives. They see God told them this was land that was flowing with milk and honey, which is a euphemism for it is prosperous. It is sweet. It is, it is the best place you would ever hope to live. They come back from that land. They're carrying these big old grapes. They're, they got, I mean, they, 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 it's, just, it's just wonderful. And they're saying, yeah, we, we got this in the land. Verse, thir verse 32 of chapter 13. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel. The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. Can I ask you a question? Did they see the land eat anybody? 
Do you think? I mean, all of a sudden, they saw somebody get eaten by something. And all the people we saw, all the people, every one of them. Have you ever heard that before? Everybody hates me. All the people we saw in it were men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, and, and which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. How do they even know what they were in their sight? They brought up an evil report. Man, this is something. They go into the land. It's full of everything God said. God never told them to judge anything. He said, go into the land. I'm going to give it to you. Come back and tell the people that I told you the truth. That it's good. And they came back and all they could see were giants. They're like, man, there were giants everywhere. And did we tell you there were giants? I mean, they have all this fruit, but did we tell you there's giants? They're like, what God said is true. What God said is absolutely true. But you can't have it. It was an evil report, the scripture says. It was evil. This nasty report. A good report is the gospel. An evil report is slander against the word of God. I mean, God said, I'm giving it to you. It's a good land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is yours. But they came back and slandered the Lord and said, we can't do it. It's too, we cannot do this. We can't do it. When we read in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 earlier, it says, Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, these are things that are slander regarding what God said. Anything that is up here and says it knows more than the Word of God knows. It has a revelation beyond what he said. It's a false knowledge. You know what? There's a huge difference between the facts and the truth. The facts will change every day. The fact today may be you don't feel well, but the fact tomorrow you may feel well. The truth that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus is true every single day of the week. The truth is the Word of God. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word, thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's, it's, it's the Word. So here in this passage, there were some two to six million people here. You know, at least two million, but possibly as many as six million people. All these people are listening to the report of ten guys. Of those six million that are listening, how many have ever seen the land? None of them. Not one of them had ever seen the land. But those ten guys and the other two. Ten guys said it's bad. Remember, there were twelve. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said it was good. They're preaching the gospel. But for some reason, these two to six million people believed the evil report instead of the good report. Two guys were saying, Joshua and Caleb said, whoa, whoa, wait, shut up. It's good. They are meat for us. Let's go get them today. And the other guy said, no, we can't, we can't do that. And the people were like, no, we can't, we can't, we can't. The Bible says they cried all night. How much good did that do? They cried all night. It didn't do any good. They did exactly what Adam and Eve did. They believed the evil report. They believed the slander against the word of God. Let me just begin here tonight by saying this. I've already begun. The evil report 
does not have to be the final answer if it doesn't agree with the Word of God. It's not the final answer. When the doctor gives a bad report, it doesn't have to be the final answer. Listen, I believe, I, I, I love doctors. I know that God get, gives them to us. Hey, man, and I'm so glad that they followed the call of God to help us. But they're still human beings. They still are fallible. We have to learn to hear the report from the Word of God. Let me give you some advice. When the doctor gives you a bad report, don't rebuke him. Well, I'm buying that in Jesus' name. I'm not having that. I'm walking out of here. Don't do that. Just thank him and leave and then bind the devil, not the doctor. I mean, the doctor's the minister for God. He's not, he's not against you. He's for you. They cried all night. It didn't do a bit of good. But they believed the wrong report. Listen to these verses. Genesis chapter 37. You know, this is a story of Joseph. His brothers, you know, they, they, they didn't like him because he had the dreams. And he told them they're all going to bow down to him. And they're like, who do you think you are? And finally, Joseph comes looking for them one day because his dad sent him out. And, 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 and the brothers say, here comes that dreamer. So they, they took him. They threw him in a hole in the ground. And, and they, said, they said, we're going to kill him. And, and, and Reuben says, no, no, don't, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Whatever you do, don't kill him. And so they sell him into slavery. They take his beautiful coat. They cut it up. And they throw blood on it from some animal. And it says in verse 31 of that chapter, They took Joseph's coat and killed the kid of the goats and dipped it, dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors. And they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's or no. Okay. And he knew it. And he said, It's my son's coat. The evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt. Rent in pieces. Was he dead? What's he believing? What did God promise him through Joseph? God prophesied about Joseph to him. He knew Joseph was the one, was was one of the tribes that he was going to have. He already knew it. It says, and Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins, upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I will go down to the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. If you read the story, the rest of the story of Jacob, for decades here. He mourned for Joseph. He was sad because he believed a report that violated the word of God. He was believing a report based on something he had never seen. The appearance said that Joseph must be dead. It had blood all over the coat. Was it Joseph's blood? No, no, no. I mean... An animal didn't get him. He wasn't dead. Jacob's faith was in an evil report, and it cost him years of grieving over something that never happened. Never happened because he believed an evil report. I mean, this grief was still going on in him, and so much so that when his other boys went to Egypt to get food... And they came back, and one of the boys had to stay. And, and Joseph said, you don't get any more food till your, your, your brother comes. He was worried 
He was grieved he, because he couldn't stand the thought of losing Benjamin also. I mean, he was worried. He was worried because the report that he heard wasn't the report of the Lord. Man, you contrast that to David at Ziklag when it looked like all their stuff was gone and everything was lost, but David refused to believe the report. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, got a different report, and said, do we go after him? And God said, you'll recover it all. That was the report of the Lord. We've got to believe the right report. One more story, then I'm, I'll be done. Acts 27. We know the story that Paul is on the ship. He's, he's, he's sailing out there, and they get caught in this hurricane. And, I mean, they have thrown, they've thrown everything overboard. They've thrown all the food. They've thrown all the tackle. They've thrown the cargo overboard. In verse 27, chapter 27, verse 20 says, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, and all hope that we should be saved was taken away. Here's the report. All hope is taken away. There was no more hope. They had not seen the sun or the stars for many days. They've thrown, they've been through the, they've through the cargo overboard. That's why they're on the boat to get paid for. I mean, they're all there. Paul's on the boat. It's not even his fault. He's just there. As we read Isaiah 53, 1 says, We believe the report of the Lord. His arm will be revealed on our behalf. Paul had to go find him a different report. Verse 21, but after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me. This is an amazing story. He's a prisoner. He looks at all of them and says, Y'all should have listened to me. I told you not to do this. He says, And not have loosed from Crete and have gained all this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. This is amazing. Here's what I'm telling you guys. You should have listened to me. They're in the middle of a hurricane. They've been there for days. He says, you should listen to me. I told you not to do this, but get happy. Get happy, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. This is amazing. They thought that Paul was sailing with them. All this time, they were sailing with Paul. <laughs> he was the whole reason for their journey in the first place. He says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. And it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. <laughs> Paul, all of a sudden, he gets a different report. The Lord told him, to go to Rome. That's why he even wanted to go to Rome. Because the Lord told him to stand before Caesar. He's getting ready to go and stand before Nero. I mean, he believed a different report. Like Abraham, the Bible says, who against hope, believed in hope. There was no hope at all. But he had hope. that he might become the father of many nations. When there's no hope, we have to hold on to the report of what God has said. We have to find the report that comes from the Word of God. Imagine if Abraham and Sarah had gone to the clinic and said, we want to get pregnant. They just said, you're crazy, go home. Paul says, cheer up. Listen, cheer is evidence of believing the good report. Listen, if you can get happy in the middle of the storm, that says... I believe you more than I believe that.
I believe you. I'm not going to worry. Where there's an evil report, I'm talking about anything that contradicts the Word of God, you've got to seek the Lord. He told us if we ask, it'd be given to us. If we'd seek, we'd find. If we knock, it's open to us. We've got to find out what is God's report. Paul had to get his eyes off of the storm and begin to look at something else. He had to begin to look at what God said. He had to be in faith for God's Word, for going to Rome. I mean, even when he landed on the island, you know the story. He gets there. They start to make a fire. A snake, a viper, attaches itself to his hand. And all the people are going, oh, he must be a really bad one. The storm couldn't kill him. And now look at this. This snake is going to kill him. He'll swell up and die. (coughs) He shook it off because he had an appointment with Nero. And he knew it. That's the only report that he was going to believe. He was going to believe the good report. Listen, we need to learn to focus on the Lord's report. Can I tell you how not to worry? Look for where you want to be rather than where you are. Look for what God has promised you. If you're driving a car and you're driving along and you're looking over there, guess where you're going to be in just a couple of minutes? Over there. You're going to go where you look. If your focus is on the problem, you're going to be in the middle of it until you begin to look where you want to be. I mean, you're going to go when a pilot... Just think if you're... Fi- if you're I've been in a couple of planes this week. Well, four to be exact. And I'm just thinking, if we're coming in for a landing, I'm glad the pilot's not looking. Man, it's pretty far down there. <laughs> I'm glad he's looking at the runway, looking at the lights, looking where he knows he needs to land that plane. He's looking for where he wants to go. You know, every time I get on a plane, I think about this. Takeoff is optional. You don't have to take off. But once you're up there, landing is pretty mandatory. You've got to come down. <laughs> I want him looking at the end of the runway. I want him looking where we're supposed to go. Listen, we need to understand that, that, that as long as I'm worried and my thoughts are not where they're supposed to be, I'm going to be in the middle of the problem. I thought about this this week. I have to remember this. I can't heal myself. Can't do it. Can't heal myself. I can't save myself or deliver myself. I can't do that. I love what Psalm 121 says, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence my help comes. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. We need to be looking to the answer. Looking to where we're supposed to be. Aren't you glad for Amazon? Looking for where we want to be. You'll never see your provision. If you're focused on your problem. You'll never see your healing. Looking at your symptoms. We'll never find the place of peace. If we let our hearts be troubled. We must take no thought. That contradicts the word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father tonight I thank you. That we don't have to take every thought. I thank you tonight Lord that we can believe the good news that comes from your word. We can stand faithfully on it. We can receive it tonight and believe it. In Jesus' name, amen.